0: Anyone in Mississippi can tell you what the rest of the world thinks about their home.
1: The stereotype is ignorant. You know what a redneck is. The stereotype is uneducated.
2: We can't read and that we don't have indoor plumbing.
1: The stereotype is unhealthy. Crazy cousins on the front porch drinking. The stereotype is poor.
2: It's just back roads, there's nothing nice
3: here.
1: Unworldly.
3: The South is kind of this lost cause. And violent.
1: A black man hanging out of every tree. They also have an ax to grind about shoes.
2: We don't wear shoes.
1: No shoes. They think we run around barefooted and live
0: in trees. Oh, yes, they know how they're viewed. And it's not flattering. And yet, the way Mississippians think about themselves is at odds with that stereotype, or at
2: least
3: half at odds with it.
2: It's much more complex than it seems.
3: There's so much gray area. You have some really good people here in Mississippi. Amazing, loving individuals. I don't want it to sound like it's
2: absolutely rosy. Our history is blood-soaked and brutal.
4: We have a past full of sin. A lot of individuals who believe in revisionist history.
2: It is a place of great contradictions.
4: Mississippians are
3: loving and progressive at times. Mississippi has made great strides.
2: I just really think it's the most special place in the world.
1: There is still room for improvement and every day is a struggle. Any Mississippian has had to explain
4: what William Faulkner had a character explain, which is why do you live there and what is it like?
0: Also, don't forget the thing about shoes. Most people are surprised that someone from Mississippi is traveling and that, you know, they wear shoes. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. At the end of the first series, my cousin Josh asked me what I'd like to do next, and I mused about making an entire series on one place. I'm really interested in stereotypes, and Mississippi, more than anywhere, is a place with a very strong stereotype attached to it. And so I began brainstorming ways to spend a meaningful chunk of time living in a small American town, in a state which is often reduced to a punchline. As a fledgling podcast, with no sponsors, I had to do it cheaply, so I began looking at house-sitting as a way of making a series possible. After scouring different websites, I found a woman who needed a house-sitter for six weeks to look after her cat, dog, and bird in a small Mississippi town called Columbus, near the border with Alabama. So with zero knowledge about where I was going, I booked a ticket, agreeing to stay on my own over Christmas in a place where I didn't know a single person. I had no angle. There wasn't a scandal to investigate or murder to solve. It would be an experiment, immersing myself in Columbus's culture and people. Painting a picture of a community by talking to those who call it home and telling their stories examining the nuance of a place that many people write off. Would I be accepted by the locals, run out of town by an angry mob with pitchforks, or would I, in the words of one long-time resident, face a different fate? Pick-up-driving, gun-toting, snuff-spitting guys are going to attack you and haul you off into the swamp and drown you, and the alligators are going to eat you. So join me for series two as I travel deep into the heart of the Bible Belt. You're listening to Off the Beaten Jack. I'd made it to my house sitting in Columbus, Mississippi, and was adjusting to my new life as the keeper of a small zoo. And after coaxing Miko, a 30-year-old blue-crowned conua, back into her cage, I took Haley for a stroll around town, walking down across the railway tracks to Friendship Cemetery. And before long, I was standing in the shadow of an imposing statue. Our heroes, this monument is erected in honour of the soldiers of Lowndes County who nobly dared life and fortune in defence of the Southern Confederacy. As we left the cemetery, I stopped at a small convenience store opposite. An awkward silence fell over the shop as I realised I was the only white customer. But it quickly passed as we started chatting about Haley. I'm normally a cat guy, but I'll hand it to dogs. They're good conversation starters. We walked back into downtown Columbus, beginning what would be a big loop of the town that week as I began to meet local characters. There was a farmer's market that day, and I soon found myself chatting with Mother Goose. Her real name is Ed Winner.
5: Are you upstanding if I am your friend? You're not a bad guy, are you?
0: No, I don't think so.
5: (laughs) You're not going to clobber me over the head, are you?
0: (laughs) You're not going to clobber me over the head.
5: That's right, you can't determine what a goose (laughs) does.
0: At 86 years old, she still works at the library, reading to kids, and plays piano at any event which will have her, which is all of them. Turns out she's a Columbus institution.
5: Jack Boswell. Okay, Jack, we are friends.
0: We are. Across from the farmer's market was an antique shop run out of an old general store. Sitting out front by a small fire was the owner, an engaging gentleman who'd lived in Columbus most of his life.
1: Fred Haley, H-A-L-E-Y. Let's take a little walk inside. It was a treasure trove of
0: Americana, unopened Coca-Cola bottles from the 60s, rusted license plates, vinyl records, and perhaps, coolest of all, several jukeboxes to play them on.
1: These are some bands that were popular back in my days. I, I actually lived in the best time. Fifties, sixties and seventies. Mm. I was rocking and rolling and hot riding and bopping and twisting and it was a great era. It really was. And how has the town changed in, in the course of your life? Well, unfortunately it has not changed very much. There used to not be enough industry to attract younger folks, but that's all changing.
0: And you don't fear that it'll change the character of the area at all?
1: Never change the character of it. Really, it's so deeply rooted. Uh oh, here comes Danny. What's up, Danny? Come on in. We'll sail around here. You're going to have some fond memories of your visit here in Columbus. Mm. We're a typical southern town. Uh,
0: and is there anything that you would change about it?
1: Anything would I change about it? I don't think so. Well, you no, know, if you don't think about something for change, then you're, you're in a downward spiral. I'll think about it and I'll let yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, think about it. That's a good question. That's a good question.
0: As we meandered past displays of vintage cameras and kitschy tins of coffee from years gone by, my eye was drawn to a modern, cheaply made clock for sale, which looked oddly out of place amidst the carefully cultivated antiques.
1: Hold on, what is the Trump talking clock? (laughs) You said it. It's what it is. And every hour it chimes and says, it's time to make America great again. I
0: wonder what would a Biden clock say?
1: We're not gonna get into that.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Well, thank you for the tour and the history. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I really hope, Jack, that you'll come back. I've got folding chairs and we all sit out on the front of the store like used to back in the good old days. Yeah.
0: As we were saying goodbye, Fred started tapping his fingers on the jukebox. Is there any live music in Columbus?
1: Live music in Columbus? Yeah, the Burning Piano, I think you would probably enjoy that. Then the Munson Brothers, where I told you, they have bands. You'll like Munson Brothers because it'll give you a really good idea of what hometown life is all
4: about in the South. Uh, my name is Ryan Munson, and I am a local here in-
0: I took Fred's advice and walked with Haley across the parking lot to Munson Brothers, a bar and music venue which started out as an apothecary, to chat to the
4: owner, Ryan. Where are you from originally? I was born in Missouri. My parents were divorced, so I got to bounce around a little bit. So I, uh, I claim Memphis probably more home, but I went to high school in Sacramento, California.
0: And then, how does that compare to? I mean, life in the south is that culturally very different. Yeah, well,
4: California to the south is you know one extreme to the next. In California, probably much like in England, there's a coffee shop in every corner. Uh, here, there's a church on every corner. So the value system's a little different. Mm. Um, cultures different. I can say being my business is kind of random. You know, I'm random. Beard oils in the <laughs> south was kind of. You know, it's crazy, but uh, people in this town at least have done nothing but support what I'm doing. Have
0: you ever had any pushback from people that are like, oh, this is changing the town or it's...
4: Well, this town is, I think, very hungry for some change you know there's lots of stigmas in the south i think most people want to move past that mm. we know that mississippi in general loses one of our best commodities is students they kind of see me as like hey he might attract young people hey he might you know they see what i'm doing and saying that might work and matter of fact the main street here submitted me to the state for an award and we won best small business of 2022
0: in the whole of mississippi in the whole of mississippi Yeah. wow congrats thanks that says a lot Yeah, it's pretty cool. As an outsider, is there anything you would want me to know about the town, or you'd suggest I see, or suggest I avoid?
4: Um, Yeah, I uh, of course you got to know the history. Race still exists. You know, there's a divide in politics here. There's a divide in there's a divide in a lot in the South, and I really didn't experience true what I thought was racism until I got here and i saw what racism looks like and it doesn't play out like movies would show out where right. like it plays out in white flight and when they when they had white and black kids going to school together all of a sudden what happened in the 50s is you had white flight where the white folks would move to the suburbs which kind of keeps that segregation it keeps right. it you know keeps it divided hmm. And then all those resources would also go with those white folks. And that's what is still happening here, in my opinion. Mm. If you go to our school, it's probably predominantly black. And most of the white kids go to the heritage school. And so that's still happening. And it hurts. Mm. It hurts economically. It hurts politically. And you can see it everywhere. And it's just, it's something that exists. And some folks will say it's cultural differences. But until we start working together... Like, that's just going to be the way it is, I think. Hmm. I did one time. It was kind of funny. It was right in front of my shop. Some African-American folks, uh, their tire went flat. And I walked out and started helping them change their tire. And the guy just got such a kick out of the fact that I was a white guy helping them. (laughs) Like he just wouldn't stop, he's like, see, things are better. And he just kept trying to explain to me how things are better, cause I'm helping him change his tire. And I was, you know, I, I'm glad he felt that way. I'm glad he saw the sentiment. I, I didn't care that they were African American, but we need to do a better job of being good neighbors, you know, and, and, and loving on each other. And I think uh, with this little place that we've made, I've really wanted it to be a community spot in which we've done fundraisers for folks or we've had uh, musicians or been able to give platforms to people who might not otherwise have a platform and art has really been a passion to really cultivate an art scene um, because it can be healing.
0: I felt as though I was pulling at a thread. Each new person I met raised more questions. I was interested by what Ryan had said about Mississippi losing its young people. And as I continued to explore town, I met a woman named Emily, who'd been one of those young people. She'd grown up on Mississippi's Gulf Coast, had a career in Washington, but returned to Mississippi a couple of years ago to open a bookstore in downtown Columbus. Friendly City Books. I asked what drew her into politics originally.
2: I felt that I had a perspective that was not well represented in Mississippi. Okay. I want to say it was fifth grade. Our class had a mock presidential election. It was Clinton and Dole. It was 1996. And I think they took a picture of us having a political rally, and everyone else had Dole signs, and I had a Clinton sign. So- I felt that I was outnumbered, but I thought, well, maybe if I work hard enough, I can change people's minds. You know, if I pursue this path of uh, working in politics, um, I was very idealistic.
0: I mean, opening a bookstore at any point, really, with all the competition from online is a very brave thing to do. Doing it in the middle of COVID is even... Some people would say crazier. How did you find the courage to do that?
2: Yeah, well, I started thinking about the bookstore in 2019. When I was starting the process of seriously thinking about buying a house here, I kind of came up with a little checklist of what I would want to have. What were the things I needed to have to be happy? Because I was giving up this big city life in DC, and the three things were a coffee shop, a yoga studio, and a bookstore. And Columbus has a coffee shop, Mm -hmm. and Columbus has a yoga studio. We even have a Pilates studio now. That's how up and coming we are. But Columbus didn't have a bookstore. There was a chain bookstore here called Books a Million, but they closed during the pandemic. I felt like this is a sign that either I have a great idea or a completely insane idea. It's going to be one or the other.
0: (laughs) And so did it feel as much like a social service or social duty as much as a business?
2: Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. In fact, um, the newspaper actually published an editorial when Books A Million closed that called on the community to rally to have a bookstore. And especially with Columbus being a uh, college town, Mm. having a university here, there's a point of pride in having a university and a bookstore that is you know, kind of fueling that intellectual community.
0: Mm. I did a little bit of research, and Mississippi often comes out fairly low or at the bottom in terms of education rankings. That's right. Having a bookstore plays a big part in countering that. But I wondered, given your background, did you ever think about coming into local politics here when you came back?
2: Well, I definitely wanted to be plugged in to Mississippi politics. I felt like part of the reason why Mississippi has become an even more conservative state than it was back when I first wanted to get into politics as a teenager 20 years ago is that um, a lot of people who had different ideas have left the state. So that was clearly me. I left right after high school. I went on and got not just a college degree, but an advanced degree, and had a career outside of the state of Mississippi. And a lot of us actually refer to ourselves as expats. Um, Another term that people have used is a displaced Mississippian. Wow. But using that term displaced also makes it sound like you actually are going to go back. Hmm. There's a growing contingent of Mississippians who are, I would say, millennials, you know, like Gen Y, who are starting to settle down, and get married and have families, or they have aging parents and they want to come back to Mississippi because they want to be closer to family. But there's a lot of barriers that are preventing people from coming back. One is the educational system. Another is our healthcare outcomes and the healthcare system here. Um, A lot of hospitals and rural areas are closing. Right. And then finally, the other big thing is job opportunities. When I was coming back, honestly, part of the reason why I ended up starting my own business is because that was the easiest way to find a job.
0: So what do you think the future of the town or of Mississippi more broadly is?
2: For a long time, there were two types of Mississippians. There are Mississippians who stayed and Mississippians who left. But I think that is changing. I hope it is changing. I hope I'm not the only one doing this. I think more and more Mississippians are going to spend some time in another place and then come back with that knowledge and those experiences and those connections to give back and build the state. And it's not for everyone. you know. I understand that there are people who may have had bad experiences growing up, especially black people and gay people who are not ready to come home. But I hope that if more and more of us do it, it will become a more welcoming place for all Mississippians.
0: I was at the Columbus Arts Council for an exhibition opening. They may not have shoes in Mississippi, but I can confirm that they do have art galleries. And whilst I was milling around, I got talking to one of the directors, Salem. He was about my age and had lived his whole life in Columbus.
3: So I arranged to sit down with him and asked what he felt the town needed most. It's overwhelming to look at, at so many different things. And, and so for me, I think mine is creating culture and value through the arts, through the music and elevating Mississippi um, to be maybe brought back to its roots you know, the blues and the writing and the just um, the poetry and so much that came from here. And and I think what that has to have happen is is children, our youth, our elders have to come together, share stories, share experiences, connect on on where they're at, what's changed, what hasn't, what's been timeless. So many writers, um, you know, their works and, the, and and their books still resonate today and, and why that is. Why does that still resonate with our youth? And and if it doesn't, then maybe bringing in a different perspective and bringing in someone else who does. There was a story, I did some work with the housing authority here and, and uh, went over during the summer and did a, a workshop for them. And there's about 60 kids and one kid comes up to me and pulls on my shirt. And I you know, I'm trying to I've done some little small craft with them. So he comes up and he pulls and he goes, I'm not really that good at sports. And then he just runs off. And this kid's probably seven and comes back about two minutes later, pulls on my shirt again, says, "Uh, I'm not too good at school either. He comes back a third time and he goes, but I really like this. And he points down at the snail and his drawing. He's got a coloring pencil in his hand. And I kind of stopped what I was doing a little bit, sat down with him and, and said, yeah, that's man, that's awesome. Do you really enjoy the arts? And he said, yeah, I just like creating. And I said, hey, you know, have you ever come down to the Arts Council and uh, been a part of any of the programs? And you know, we're open and free to the public. And he goes, no, that's for rich white folks. And he runs off. You know, that comes from an environment where his parents or his grandparents or someone told him, you know, we don't go there. That's not for us or whatever it might have been. You know, a seven year old had the wherewithal to say that and know that the arts council wasn't for him. And that's where my heart broke was. It ought to be. Shouldn't it? I mean, the arts doesn't see color like that? It's for you. It's not for you. It doesn't see that. It bridges that. And so. From that day on, that was last summer, you know, a lot of the decision-making I make daily, I, I think about that young boy, and I, I think, what can we do to bridge that gap? That comment from the child, mm-hmm. the
0: arts council, it's for rich white folks, mm-hmm. is that a fairly typical thinking? I mean, because you could either, it seems, divide the town sure. from that comment down lines of race or down economic lines or Absolutely. both. I mean, what is the dynamic
3: like? I think it's both. I do. I think I think it's it's totally both. I think it's also a perception of a building and a gallery and watching a movie where you see someone in a gallery and it seems like it's for the rich, you know, and, and it's for. And so breaking that stigma, it's, it's an uphill battle that we have to create a space that you come in, you feel welcome. And I think that that's, Oh, there's so many different components of that. I I can't just throw up a new show and expect years of people feeling like that to be broken. Mm-hmm. It takes outreach. It takes hands-on communication with the public, um, exhibiting artists of every walk of life and allowing families and friends to come in and to preach that theory. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, while I'm here and while I have the role that I do, I mentioned earlier the word resilient Um I have that tattooed on me. I can take a beating as long as I know that morally and for the betterhood of my community, my town, the South, our nation, that we're working toward making sure that no matter how backwoods of a town you live in, you know, art still has to be there. It always does. It always will. Mm. Columbus is called the friendly city. And there's been so many times that we didn't deserve that name. Um, But I will tell you, there are so many groups and individuals that are here to support people and love people and accept them for who they are. And, you know, we're just like we're just like anywhere else. We're trying to make a place we want to be proud of. When I've asked you, I even asked you earlier today, why Mississippi? And, And I think my question for that was, and you answered it perfectly, is the same thing. You wanted to. You wanted to see if the stigmas were correct. You wanted to get deeper than that. You wanted to understand what it was about, and you wanted to immerse yourself in it.
5: Hey, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I hope I don't look tacky today. You look great.
0: I was picking up my neighbor, Kenya. She lived a few houses down from me, and I'd met her the day before. She'd lost her phone in her house and was waiting out on the street for someone to pass so they could call it for her. We struck up a conversation, and it turned out she doesn't drive and asked if I could give her a lift up to the stretch of businesses outside the historic district. The kind of suburban sprawl which carpets much of America once you leave the older, charming downtowns. No pavements, no public transport, just long, wide roads flanked by towering billboards and acres of parking in front of each store.
5: Oh, purple. I've never seen purple cake mix before.
0: We spent the afternoon wandering oh, the aisles of different shops and chatting about town.
5: Well, I do like Columbus. I was born and raised here. But well, the only thing I would like, and I've been praying for, for them to get, a, like, transportation, because you have a lot of people that don't have um, vehicles, and then you got some people that have had eye problems like what I've had that I've met that said they can't drive, so... They had not depend on their family, so they need to have transportation here. You know, buses that can take people to stores. So
0: on the drive home, we started talking about the area Kenya had grown up in, where I'd walked with Haley on my first day.
5: Um, I actually was born on South Side, but uh, I could show it to you it's down the street if you want to do sure, it. Sure, yeah. Oh, okay, I'll show it to you. Where, where are we going. going? Um, you just go straight down from where we live. Just go, you're going to go straight on down past.
0: I don't know if you can answer this question for me. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to the south side, right? Uh-huh. That's across the railway. Uh-huh, it is. And so some people told me that I needed to be careful if I'm walking the dog down there, which I do. And I don't know if that's fair or if that's a little bit of prejudice. It
5: is prejudice. Oh, that back make me cry. That is I'm so sorry. crazy racist. Those people don't bother you. Yeah. Because you see I'm from there. Have yeah. I bothered you? No, not at all. You in I'm telling you I'm so friendly and that is not true. Yeah. These people if they can help you back here and stuff now, um you know, like that store over there, mm. Southside, they don't bother you there. So yeah, because I was,
0: I was walking the dog here and I went into the little convenience store. About uh, a graveyard. Yeah. Ah, oh, you'd have been everywhere, no. <laughs> and everyone, I was chatting, everyone was so kind and funny. Oh,
5: right? I just love you. Oh my God. You just, oh my gosh, bless your heart. And you see they laugh. They lied. They're not like that. I'm
4: going
5: to tell you something with African-American. We're not like that. And, and the only way they'll bother you, let you them did somebody out the way to wait for them. They don't bother nobody. Mm-hmm. I treated you just like I've always known you or I didn't look at your color. I didn't judge you like, oh, I'm not going to speak to him because he's Caucasian or, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't do that. And mm-hmm. you, you miss out, you miss out so much. Maybe that'd be a lesson learned for a mm-hmm. lot of people.
0: Definitely. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, my God. You know, God, it's him for me you to be around each other. You do see that, don't mm. you? Because that break the racial barrier mm. that's going on around here. The devil's been bound up and been sent back to pits of hell and stuff. I tell you the truth. I'm so glad we done broke a barrier today, ain't we, uh, Jack? Ain't nobody <laughs> mad but the devil. Mm-mm-mm.
0: Ain't nobody mad but the devil. That's
5: right. Too blessed to be stressed and got time for devil mess. I know that's right, Jack. I tell you the truth. Wow! The devil is defeated. It's a fist fight that Jesus already won. Hallelujah.
0: This wow. might be one of my favorite new expressions. The devil is defeated, it's a fist fight that Jesus already won. i
5: oh, so happy, Jack, to meet you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's just, you know, it just, I'm so glad. But this is where I was going up in this area right here, Trash Alley. That's Trash right. Alley? hmm
0: I don't see why it should be called Trash I Alley. I guess because
5: of the old house, you see the two little old houses left.
0: You grew up in one of them. Yeah, I
5: did. I, I was born and raised. Sure did.
0: And after we got back, we sat out in front of her house, discussing the need for and public transport and some of the I other issues the in the community.
5: Go it, it's really needed here in Columbus really bad, and I've been wanting to get in contact with the Mayor Gaskin since he's new in the office. It's a lot better. A lot of changes have been made, like they got cameras on the polls. It's it's been a lot of progress since he's been in office. Um and so I'm glad he's a mayor. You said that there
0: are quite a lot of shootings.
5: Yes, it has been and actually it's been worldwide. A lot of the younger people, you know, into it with each other. What do you think's causing it? This generation is so different. They're so quick tempered now. So um you know, I know Satan's got a lot to do with it say he does trick people into doing things and stuff like that so I don't know this yeah. this generation is different mm-hmm. so do you like being here in Columbus
0: so far yeah
5: Is this your first time coming here? First time coming here. Have you ever thought about living here or?
0: Maybe. It's growing on me very quickly.
5: (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Depends.
0: Maybe I'll meet a nice girl when I'm here. Oh,
5: uh, oh, that's so sweet. So what kind of uh, qualities do you want them to have?
0: I like someone with a good sense of humor.
5: Okay, okay.
0: This is turning into a dating profile now.
5: Okay. Uh, Oh. Do you want her to drink or don't drink?
0: I drink not too much, but a little bit.
5: Oh, you do? Okay, I do. Okay, wow. What do you like drinking?
0: Whiskey, usually.
5: Jack probably saying hello, Kenya, when he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> this Kenya on the phone. Is I'm that sorry. supposed to
0: be me drunk? Yeah.
5: <laughs> oh, my God. So, do you ever get the drunk can where you can't stand up?
0: No, not really. <laughs> Maybe... <laughs> Like once or twice in my life, but I don't get that drunk.
5: But I tell you, this has been one of the most adventurous days. Well, for me too. Oh, wow. I hope I am not talking so much. Oh, jeez, I think I'm going to be laughing in my sleep tonight about you, Jack. I think I'm going to laugh in my sleep the whole night. Trish? Yeah? This is my new friend, Jack.
1: Hey, Jack. How are you? Good. How are you? you? Thanks,
0: I was rounding out my first week back where I started, sitting out in front of Fred's store and making conversation with customers. You looking for anything in particular? No, sir. Just looking. As I was getting ready to head back to the house, I asked Fred the same question I'd put to him when we first met. Is there anything he'd change about the town? There was a long pause.
1: I wouldn't change anything right now. no. I'm not going to say that. If you don't have change in your heart, then you'll never progress.
0: I suppose it's that question, what does progress look like?
1: Progress is sitting on the bank of the river and fishing (laughs) and not worrying about anything else. (laughs) Who all is going to listen to this?
0: Off the Beaten Jack is produced and presented by me, Jack Boswell. Thank you to everyone I spoke to in this episode. Fred, Ryan, Emily, Salem, Kenya, and Mother Goose.
3: Together, I don't
0: <laughs> if you liked what you heard, please do me a favor by rating, reviewing, and of course subscribing to make sure you stay up to date with my Columbus adventures. This episode is dedicated to Irene Campbell. I'm going to miss you.
5: Is that enough?